Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think they have to have a marriage that is stronger than most. And I think that's going to be very, very hard. Megan is a force of nature. She achieves things. She's ambitious. But I, what I really hope is that they turn inwards to each other because there's so many pressures on them. Archie is going to have attention in the same way that the Cambridge children have attention. Hi there, and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that reveals what really goes on behind palace doors. I'm Zoe Burrell, and today we will be talking all about Megan turning 38, why her marriage to Harry needs to be stronger than most, and their latest move that's ruffling feathers. Joining us today to share her amazing knowledge is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Ange. How are you going? I'm good. More royal birthdays. Exactly. It seems like we've had so many lately. I know. Those pictures of George were gorgeous. But anyway, we've got another one. Exactly. Well, Megan is turning 38 in a few days and is expected to have a celebration at Balmoral. What can you tell us about that? That's right. It's her birthday on August the 4th, um, next Monday, and she will, as you say, be turning 38. I think it's really lovely. She's going to be, apparently going to be at Balmoral with Harry and Archie, and the Queen is having a special party for her. I mean, it's freezing up there, even in the middle of summer. (laughs) So, uh, look, no, that's not true. I'm sure they'll manage to have a lovely picnic in the garden, or what they often do at Balmoral, actually, is do a sort of... um, uh, barbecue. Prince Philip typically will barbecue on the um, banks of the river up at Balmoral, and they'll all go along and you know have a have a snag and a roll or something. A little. <laughs> I'm sure that the kitchens make some delicious salads to go with it. But um, it's interesting because we know that Diana particularly loathed Balmoral. She hated it up there. Um, she found it stifling. But it'd be interesting to see what um, you know how Megan enjoys that experience. It's, she's got her birthday right in the middle of um, the British summer. And, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful place up there. She, she and Harry, we know, love nature. They love spending time in the outdoors. They're very committed to the environment. So I think it's actually a place that she will embrace and enjoy spending time at, particularly with a little boy. And also the security up there is because it's quite isolated. It's, it's, um, look, there were pictures snapped of Diana and Charles early in their, um, romance up there and early in their marriage. But I think it's quite a, a very private place for them to, to hang out. But I was thinking about it actually. When you travel with a baby, it's a real pain. Sometimes it's just easier to stay at home. So I wonder, you know, they're not, will they be lugging the travel cot up on the royal train? <laughs> I, I doubt it. I'm sure they'll have help for that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they will too. It's not like, you know, how when you have little kids and going on holiday is just basically um, relocating your domestic chaos. I don't think that will be the case for them. It's, you know, they've got people to help them. And also, I think. They, you know, plenty of people, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, head off to another sunnier locale like the Caribbean, which is where we understand the Cambridges have been. But I think that um, just being in the time, same time zone when you have a new, you know, newborn baby is 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 great. Anyway, I hope she has a lovely birthday. It's amazing to think that you know she's spent now 
um, you know, a year and a bit as 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 a royal bride. But I think it's going to be interesting what how she develops over the next couple of years as she approaches her fortieth birthday. It's a you know, it's a, an important time for not only a woman but a mother. And I think it'd be interesting to see how she you know how she adapts to the role in that time. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to watch. But I'm just hoping she has a celebration with some friends as well for her birthday. Yeah, but when she did that for the um, for her baby shower, there was so much pushback on it, wasn't it? She chose to go and have something that she wanted to do, which was to, you know, get together with her American friends because actually that's where she comes from. And the, the criticism and the abuse about the fact that she spent some money on actually doing what she wants. So I agree with you. I hope she gets together with her mates, has a couple of champagnes, you know, expresses a bit of milk for Archie and uh, manage, <laughs> manages to have, you know, 12 hours a, a, away. So I, I'm with you. I hope Jessica Mul- Mulroney flies over and they can have a bit of an ease up. I think so too because yeah. that's what every girl wants on her birthday, isn't it? Some yeah. wines with friends. <laughs> not just your, not just your in-laws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Um, of course, though, this month also marks three years into her relationship with Harry and that's a critical time in love. Can you explain yeah, that Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot because uh, three years is generally understood by relationship uh, psychologists and counsellors as the point in a relationship where you move out of what's called the limerence phase. Do you know what – guys know what limerence is? I don't. Well, limerence is kind of – Deeper than infatuation, but it's when you it's it's the beginning of a relationship where it's all butterflies and you're incredibly, you know, you laugh together all the time and and you're very uh, amenable. Three years is around the stage that reality starts to kick in. Now they've hit three years at a point when they've had a baby. Their relationships move very quickly by necessity. I mean, she is if she wanted to have a family, obviously they needed to move fairly quickly. Um, also, the fact she lived in America and the fact that you know. It, when you're not married, there's all that speculation about the relationship. Um, it, obviously, they they took a completely different approach to the Cambridges, who had a very long courtship, to use an old fashioned term. Um, look, I think it's very that that transition stage where you go from sort of the three years where it is infatuation, the limerence stage to real life with a baby, with the pressures of your jobs, um, and of course, their jobs they have a lot of help with. But nevertheless, there's a lot of conflicting. Um, forces within their lives. I think they have to have a marriage that is stronger than most. And I think that's going to be very, very hard. The reason I think it's going to be hard is that, that neither of them have had a model of a successful relationship. So they both come from, you know, and this, I'm not saying that there's, you know, I don't like the phrase broken families, but they haven't seen people solve their problems. So, you know, that's not their model of a mum and dad solving issues. And I think that, and I think that's, you know, I'm not saying that um, that's going to mean that their marriage won't work out. I just think that they will have to work very, very hard with a lot of pressures that most people don't have to um, endure to make sure that they focus on their relationship staying really strong. And I imagine they, I I know Harry's had a lot of counselling in the wake of his mother's death and I hope that they have the support around them to guide them through the next stage. I mean the whole, um, you know, the, the fairy tale and and the first tour where we were all swept up in and Meghan and Harry and then naturally the tide always turns. It's sort of like an ebb and flow. It happened with Diana. It will, you know, it, it's just the course of events is that, you, you know, the, People are not in public favour constantly. It, it goes up and down. And we know from what Megan said at the Lion King premiere when she was talking um, 
to Pharrell Williams and he was saying, you know, commenting on their relationship and how much of an inspiration they are, that she actually was overheard saying they don't make it easy. And we don't know who they mean by they. Do they mean the public? Do they mean the media? Who do they mean by they don't make it easy? But there was a first acknowledgement ever there that it is hard and that and that it's challenging for them. I hope that they have tremendous help and support and strength and they take the time to be with each other. I mean, Megan is a force of nature. She achieves things. She's ambitious. But I, what I really hope is that they turn inwards to each other because there's so many pressures on them. And the reason I think it's the make or break time is, as I say, for that three-year period, they're at that three-year point in the relationship. Um, they've had a new baby, which is a pressure in itself. And they are in this invidious position of being royal but not royal. They are half normal, you know, they, they have ordinary lives and their son, they've chosen to give him an ordinary life with no title, but you cannot escape the fact that they are the most glossy representatives of Brand Windsor and therefore uh, in accord with that, they get the most attention and that makes it very difficult for them. So look, I'm hopeful, but I don't think it's going to be easy. And I think this is, you know, I don't mean to um, be negative about it, but I think I'm being realistic in saying it's hard enough for ordinary people to sustain marriages in the public eye as they are and under such intense scrutiny. Um, I really, really hope that they have the ballast and the support there. You know, have they do have good people. They have Charles and Camilla. Charles is incredibly fond of her. They have Doria, who's wonderfully sensible. You know, if Harry's got sense, he will rely on William and that relationship will be repaired and um, going forward because he does have tremendous wisdom and solidity as a brother. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed. Oh, yes, exactly. Fingers crossed. And mm. it is so fascinating that Megan has sort of spoken about it too because it You're has right. always been that royal don't yes, talk about it, it is. don't mention anything. And I think that's the hard thing. They never know mm. where microphones or lip readers are going to pick up what they're saying. Um, and I thought actually it was really interesting. Uh, at that same premiere, Elton John leaned in. Obviously, Elton John is incredibly aware of microphones and I saw them embrace and then he whispered something in her ear and it was very direct in her ear and it was no one will ever know what it was because it couldn't be picked up on mics and the particular angle it was because he was turned slightly into her ear it was hard to lip read he's someone that knows how to deliver a message in those circumstances oh, that it's not going to be picked wow. up and I'm, I'd love to know what he said oh, but so I, would I. I'm sure it was something really supportive I mean I, I have huge respect for Elton John I am you know in, in terms of you know I would have loved him to be a godfather to Archie because I just think he's a man who's endured um the uh, you know, he's endured his own fra uh, frailty and failings. And, you know, when a rock star actually gets through and doesn't die through drink drugs or, or, or other nefarious means, you know, I think that, I think he's, he's a solid person and a solid person that to be in their lives. Obviously, he was at the wedding. So I'm hoping that he's a real source of advice for them. Well, we still don't know the godparents, do we? So we maybe he is one. Oh, it'd be lovely <laughs> to think that he might be. Talking of baby Archie, we know Harry is desperate to give him an upbringing just like his cousin Mia Tyndall. Do you think that's possible? 
oh, I know he wants to. I know that's what he desperately wants for his children. I don't think it's possible. Um, Look, I was reading some work by a former colleague of mine, Angela Levin, who um, I used to work with, who's written a biography on Prince Harry. And she spent a lot of time with him, I think nearly a year uh, on royal tours with him and in in interviews with him. Um, She knows that what he really wants is this private life for his child. He very much feels that is, you know, down the... Um, hierarchy from William, it, it should afford him the kind of life that Zara and Peter Phillips enjoyed. He's looked at his cousins all these years and thought how smart it was that Anne, uh, Princess Anne, didn't give her children a title and that they've been allowed to grow up fairly normally, um, uh, both Zara and Peter. And then their children are themselves, Mia um, and her little sister and um, Peter's children um, have all, they're just not in the limelight. And I think that's what he desperately wants from Archie. Can he have that? I absolutely don't think he can. I think they are, as I said, they are, they have become the face of the brand. And I think they're in this invidious position where they are shiny and purposeful and um, ambitious. And yet that uh, those characteristics are in direct contrast to the real heart of what it means to be in the monarchy, which is to be substantial and durable and dutiful and reliable and constant. And those things, oh, look, I don't know how they work against each other in terms of how you how you sort of prosecute your purpose, which they want to in terms of environmentalism um, and world affairs and working for the Commonwealth uh, and sort of work that with the image and Archie is going to have attention in the same way that the Cambridge children have attention purely because you know they are his parents are young and glamorous and we're interested in them I think Harry will make some calls that will, will will be really good I think he should take some advice from Kate and William they've done it really well yes their children are visible but they own that message and social media has given them the opportunity to disseminate information when and how they want. At, you know, so instead of um, yes, we do see children, the children photographed at the polo, for instance, but we don't see them photographed really in other situations. That definitely twenty, thirty years ago, um, when uh, Diana had her two boys, they were photographed in a lot more, uh, and there was it wasn't so much. Um, there weren't so many boundaries around when they were photographed. Now, I think that what's interesting is that Kate, in, t- in producing pictures of her children herself, choosing them, uh, owning and managing the image. I think there's a lot to be learned from that, and I think we saw this huge stuff up with the um, with the christening, where they put out a message that we weren't going to get this, and we weren't going to get the godparents, and and then they released. Um, Lovely pictures. I think they need to be uh, very consistent in their messaging, and we haven't seen that consistency. I know they've got a new PR team, but they would be well advised not to always go off in their own direction, actually to follow protocol because protocol is tried and tested, and it saves you, and it keeps – things predictable and you turn the public against you when you move away from predictable methods of doing things. They've been unpredictable with the announcements regarding the birth. In fact, you know, you could say that they duped the public by making an announcement, which we were later to learn that Megan had given birth hours earlier when they said that, you know, she's gone into labour. People don't like to be made fools of. And I think the best way to protect 
themselves and to gain their privacy is to respect the public and the public interest in them. And I think that the public would afford them the time and to afford Archie normalcy if they felt that they weren't being made fools of and that they – so I think the key is to get that PR messaging really um, – you know, nailed down that this is the way we're going to do it. We're not going to try new things all the time. We're actually going to follow the policy that's worked in the past, gain the respect that that will then bring them, and then they can ask for the privacy. But it's very, very hard to ask and request that privacy when you are sort of shooting off in different directions all the time and there's not a sense of consistency about it. Um, I think it's entirely possible to gain some degree of privacy, but I think, as I say, I think they need to think very cl um, cleverly and clearly about uh, how they execute his public role going forward. And by his public role, I mean Archie. He will be of interest. You know, he will be of interest. And, there, and, and how you manage that and take take that into your own hands I think is um is is going to be pivotal and in them getting their wishes but the public all also having um their interest in the family fulfilled mm. and so looking forward in terms of that what kind of are some steps you think they could take in terms of not ruffling any more feathers yeah look I think that's a really really good question Zoe I think that what would help is I think it's great that their PR is within Buckingham Palace and that uh, their team, works under Buckingham Palace. We know that there's been occasions where there's been conflict of interest in terms of what they're putting out on social media, what the Cambridge are putting out and what the Clarence House is putting up out on behalf of um, Camilla and Charles. I think making sure that their diaries are well um, aligned so that when Harry and Meghan are doing something, they are going to gain more attention than Charles and Camilla. They need to know that and they need to make sure that Charles and Camilla are given the break. I mean, they are patrons of a lot of charities that also deserve attention. I think the timing of the announcements, you need to give Charles and Camilla's uh, uh, work the space to gain attention as well. So it has to be very, very carefully managed. And they have to accept that this is you know, this is not celebrity. This is not auditioning for a role in Suits and getting the number one spot and getting that role. This is about falling into line with the hierarchy. It doesn't mean that you can't um, – be purposeful and meaningful in the work that you do, but it does mean that you have to respect the entity to which you belong first and foremost. Um, and I think that's, that is entirely possible. You can be ambitious within that context as long as you understand that contents, context. And I think Meg and Harry would be well advised to really recognize their role in it and where they can give, they'll probably receive back. So to answer your question, I think good PR. Um, uh, I think uh, recognising their purpose and their role in the hierarchy. And I think, honestly, I just think retaining their sincerity. Harry is incredibly sincere. When he came out, when um, his, uh, Archie was born and he gave, gave that very early morning press conference, we delighted in him because that's his essential essence. He is a sincere and um, deeply thinking man. And yet that press conference was just full of authenticity. And we all turned around and thought, oh, all that shenanigans over what we were going to be told. We forgive you because you've just come out and said that you're, you're, you're just an awe of your wife for giving birth. And he, it was, 
it wasn't premeditated. It was just there spontaneous. I think if he can be sincere and authentic, both of them, and remember that being an actress at times is not being sincere authentic, and authentic. It's about taking on a role. I think if Megan can forget that she's playing a role and be really sincere and authentic about the way that she goes about things, they then protect themselves. They then, they then have the warmth of the public, which is pivotal when you're in a position like that. Isn't it just? Yeah. So there's my advice. Free, <laughs> free to all would be royals. <laughs> it's probably rubbish. I'm sure this. Mind. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Zoe, for when you marry a prince. Exactly. Still dreaming. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> well, I don't know. Are there many left out there? Yeah. No. I, there's plenty of um, oh, European good. ones. Another ones with all the ro- all the money. To be honest with you, forget the um, forget the British royal family. Seriously, and especially those Arab ones. They have even more money than anyone else. And the guy. In Morocco, there's a Moroccan family. Oh no, I think that one just got married. But look, oh. look I'll, I'll send <laughs> well, you my research <laughs> because I recently did a piece for Channel Seven on um, on, on this sort of thing. So I will um, I will let you know. Um, but there, I'm sure we can find you one. Um, I can't guarantee he'll be handsome. Though <laughs> um, back to Meghan and Harry. Their home has been quite controversial, hasn't it? There's new conflict around their Frogmore Cottage renovations. I know. And I think this is a bit undeserved. So basically what they've done is they've knocked up a garden, then they've done what everyone else does when they've got planning permission. They've gone, oh, actually, we need to do that as well. I don't know what it is that they need to do. So they had to do some retrospective planning permission. So it's gone into the local council. And then we don't even know what it is, but it's for more privacy, apparently. I don't think it's so that they can have um, extended veggie garden. I think it's <laughs> greater privacy. And what's happened when they've put those plans in, there's been um, an appeal that the plans are not disseminated so that other people can see um, that it's a it's a security issue that, that they um, – so what, what that's meant is that people have seen that they have retrospectively sought greater planning permission and then there's been criticism of the fact that, you know, they have this garden and, and that it's, again, we know public funds to build, to do the renovations on Frogmore Cottage, so presumably the gardens as well. Honestly, they're allowed a garden. Just let them get on with their garden. I'm sure <laughs> that, you know, I'm sure that um, another hedge here a bit higher is of no concern to anyone. They deserve their privacy. You know, who knows? It might be, I don't know what they're growing there, but uh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I don't want to speculate, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, you know. Megan is a she's she's a baker. Apparently, things like hemp oil and and you know uh, is, uh, oh, wow. are used in banana cakes and things now. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I just wonder whether that well, you know there may be controversy over what they're growing. I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> look, I think we need to just let them get their house renovated. Plenty of the rest of us do it and uh, get on with it. Well, sadly, that brings us to the end of our podcast for this week. Thank you so much for joining us, Anne. Thanks, Zoe. And thank you to everyone for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And, of course, don't forget to pick up a copy of our new Royal mag, New Idea Royals Monthly, on sale now. 